Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 14, Lesson 9. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajal al-hazna idha shi'a sahla. اللهم أعيني على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته um, So okay so a um, couple of things I wanted to make some announcements for our group here as well as for those who are online before I start I have two pieces of news alhamdulillah I mean the first is that uh, people were asking me about Hajj and it is true and it is correct and it is confirmed that I will be leading a Hajj group um, from Manchester. Um, actually, not just from Manchester, but meaning that uh, from this country, it is primarily focused on the UK. So this is different to the previous groups and it's the UK group. And inshallah, the details will be released soon, uh, but half the places have gone. So I just want you to know the website has not been released, but I did kind of release it in a, in a, in a post and... Um, uh, half half the place has been booked so if you are interested then make sure you are quick on that it will only be a small group um, and it's um, the details are being confirmed tomorrow I mean I know like I know stuff like hotels and dates but prices and little things like that are to be confirmed tomorrow or Friday um, but the main thing you need to know is that it's the 28th of August in terms of leaving and it will be returning on the 16th of September and it will be uh, going to Medina first and that's um, that's the key information that you need to know for now um, and I think it's a mid, mid-range uh, price as well around about £5,000 that's what I understand but I'll confirm that tomorrow um, or f- tomorrow or, or Friday that's for those who are wanting to know um, the second thing that I was uh, I was going to say is Alhamdulillah we now have a venue confirmed for Dominion which is going to be on Saturday, the March the 12th, on the evening, Saturday evening, around about uh, 6, 7 o'clock, is when we're going to look to kick off. And inshallah, that's going to be at the uh, European Islamic Center in Oldham. Exactly where we held the, uh, the, uh, the they held the, uh, the story of Jibreel, uh, Omar Suleiman, and of course, Messiah, uh, the story of Isa Islam. So inshallah, there are actually physical tickets that are available here. And if you get, just so that you know, if you buy a physical ticket, you save like a pound fifty or something. Because if you do it online, then there's some kind of booking. I don't know why they are charging £1.50, even with a debit card. So I'm not happy with that. So if you do uh, uh, just want to buy it straight, then you can buy that uh, here. Um, the brothers and the sisters, uh, Jiva, Usman, um, are available. So just want to get those two things out of the way. Um, so today, inshallah, we're going to be covering the iqama specifically. Okay? In the, um, in the uh, uh, Arabic... In the Arabic, yeah, that's good. It's there. Yeah, uh, the Mu'allif, the 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 author, he says, um, "Where are we?" Uh, da 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 da. Anyway, وَهِيَ إِحْدَى عَشَرَةَ that's enough for yani, today. And that's translated as that the iqama, the iqama 
is 11 sentences, 11 sentences to be recited quickly. The one who gave the adhan from the same place, if convenient, should give it. It will not be valid unless given in order and without any long pauses. It can only be given by a righteous male, even if sung, or with grammatical mistakes. It is also acceptable from a child of discerning age. Okay? Alright, so what are we talking about here then? The iqama. Here refers to the uh, iqama. If you look at the text in Arabic, right? And this is another good example uh, of translating by meaning and not literally. Because the Arabic says, and it is 11 uh, sentences to be recited quickly. Let's just go straight in. In the Arab, in the English, if I was to write in that paragraph, it is 11 sentences, okay, um, you, you, I'm just making you think, maybe a bit too hard, yep, and so uh, I just put the iqama down, even though that's not part of the text, but it's very clear and very obvious that that's what the text is referring to, and that's the way of Arabic, and um, you know, to be honest, English is the same, if you have a pronoun, right, to identify the pronoun, you go back to the, the last reference to the actual subject that, that's being spoken about. So when you see, and he did this and he did that, and you're not sure who he is, then you go back to the previous thing that he was saying, and then you look at who, the, who are the he's. And it could be three or four he's. It's the one who's the main guy, the one who's just spoken last, the one who's mentioned last. Generally, the rule in all of grammar, all of grammar meaning between the languages, certainly in Arabic grammar, you go back to the last yani male version, or... Or, or, fe or feminine if the pronoun is feminine and in English as well I think and pretty much every language so it is important to know that and it is good but I'll be honest with you I'll be honest with you um, I think the level of grammar and the level of understanding of English comprehension is really poor really really poor you find that people can't read it's a big 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 pain in my you know and everything right that people cannot understand Arabic, uh, English and whatever. And I found that those people who study Arabic, they're forced to learn it and they can become a lot better. And those who are Arabic students or Arab themselves and they know their own grammar, then they're very much well aware of this, you know, intelligent reading, assuming words, assuming context, understanding the, the situation and so on. Okay, so it is 11 words according to the Hanbali Madhab Pure, okay? And it is to be recited uh, quickly. Now... The quickness here, يحضرها, uh, comes from the word hadar. And this is actually an interesting word to remember because we don't really use it in normal, normative uh, kind of uh, uh, Arabic, right? It's, I mean, it's an Arabic word, but it's not like, you know, if someone was said uh, he was quick, yeah, right? Or he, he went fast, right? You'd say he was sariya. Yani huwa asra minhu, yani he's quicker than him or he's faster than him. So... Bisura'ah, you know, it's a hurry up, right? Bisura'ah, bisura'ah, hurry up. So, so, hadar, uh, hadar, um, is not the most common of Arabic words. I'll tell you where you do hear it, and that's why it's useful for you to know the meaning of this word. You hear it when you're trying to work out which version of the Quran to buy or to listen to when you have a selection. You see that you will often hear Sheikh Abdul Basit, for example, Al Samad, he has a number of recordings. Or Sheikh Abdul Rashid Sufi, for example, has a number. No, no, Sheikh Abdul Rashid Sufi, uh, but Amin Shawi, and the classical Egyptian Qurra, who are reciting a masahif in Tajweed. 
And um, so it's called the, the Mus'haf Al-Mujawad, right? Meaning that it is all recited Tajweed, very, very slow, very, very exact. And that's yani, the best kind of thing to listen to if you're really learning the accurate kind of times. However, sometimes you don't want to listen to that. You know, you want to listen, you want to do easy listening, right? You want to hear the Quran nice and smooth and yani, quick. And so you will, see, you, will, you will say that he is reciting Quran Hadran. This is his recitation, Hadran, yani, meaning that it is of normative speed, just like you heard Sheikh uh, Abdul Ghaffar recite now. So, Hadar does not mean fast. Okay? It just means quicker than very slow. It's a relative phrase. And so when we use and say the word that the iqama is recited quickly, it is relative to the adhan. It's not like how you see some people who try and maybe use this as some kind of blag to, over the fact that they can't recite it. Yeah? <laughs> right? Especially, they don't say that because it's going to be quick. They, they, they say that because they can't say, they don't know the actual words. They've never ever seen it in writing in their life. That's always the danger of memorizing something by ear, you see. Because many of us do that when we're children. But it's only acceptable from children. When you, mem- when you teach the kids the Quran, when they're two and they're three and they're four, they can't read. So they, they learn everything by memorization from one listening to what they hear repetitively. Now, if that was okay, we'd leave it like that. But no one does. The whole point of knowledge is to be able to uh, read. Reading is the most fundamental and most important of all the Arabic sciences. Okay? In Protector's House, I go over this, don't I? What are the four versions of language, uh, the four types of expression? It's um, uh, speaking, um, writing, speaking, writing, understanding, and what's the four? Uh, you, you speak it, you understand it, but don't speak it. You could speak it, not understand it. But that, that, that would be crazy though. <laughs> understand it, but not speak it. You could write it. I don't know if you understand or speak it. What's, that, what's the fourth one? Read, read it. Yeah, sorry, read it. Yeah, okay, read it. They don't mention read it. Oh, I am sure. You read it, you write it, you speak it, you understand it. Okay, yeah, good, yeah. So read, write, speak, understand. Okay? So, these are the four aspects of the language. I don't know what that's called. Is that called aspects of a language? What's it called? What is that? Four expressions? Forms. Forms. Yeah, four forms of the language, okay? What's the most important? What's the most important? So we've heard reading, heard speaking, but it's obviously understanding, okay? It doesn't matter if you can read or write, whatever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not require us to be able to read, or to be able to write, or to be able to speak. It's to be able to understand the message, okay? So understanding is obvious. It's not part of this game, okay? It's not part of this game at all. So the, uh, what's the rest of three? Writing, speaking, reading. Reading, writing, speaking. Are uh, these three, what's the most important? To read it. Okay, to read it. To read it is something which would be able to theoretically, in certain scenarios, be able to cover up for your inability to be able to understand it. I.e., the entire Muslim world, right? <laughs> okay? And, you know, alhamdulillah, that, especially Pakistani, and we're very fortunate for this, in fact, because, you know, uh, the majority of our ibadah in actual fact is dependent upon this kind of level of understanding. 
majority of people don't actually have any clue. They have a great intention, they have a lot of love, but they have no idea what they're saying. Right? And, um, and so they, they, they recite with the intention of reward. So for them, you have to understand that. That's really important, by the way, to understand this, 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 this idea when you study anthropology, you study people, and you study their embrace, embracing of, of Islam and the acts of ibadah, how we treat people. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible how the world, the Muslim world, has kept up and, and flourished when they really didn't understand what they were actually saying and doing, whatever. They had a real strong iman and belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they understood that I have to read this and it will make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy. I might not understand it, I've got a general idea what's going on, but I don't really know, you know, this could be aqidah I'm reading, it could be fiqh, it could be a story, I don't know. But it's about Allah and it's from Allah and that's good enough for me. And it's very important to understand that. So reading is the next and then, and then what do you think, writing or speaking? This is debatable, okay? This is debatable. But for me, it's clear, for my, in, my, in my opinion. And there should be no differences over the first two. Understanding is priority, then is to be able to uh, read. Um, I believe that writing is next, and speaking is the least important. Speaking is the least important. And in actual fact, that has been the sunnah of our nation, actually. It's been the sunnah of our nation that even the top scholars of the Muslim countries like Pakistan and whatever, whatnot, if you were to sit them amongst the Arabs of, uh, you know, uh, the rest of the world, uh, they find it difficult to communicate, a number of them. So, you know, the typical Malaysian alim or whatever, don't think just because he understands Arabic he's able to speak, because the speaking is a very different skill as well. There's a lot of, you know, uh, accents and amiya and, you know, this and that, whatever. And so, um, so yeah. So when we're talking about uh, hadar, we don't actually mean that it is really quick. So Allah, 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 there's no rush. There is no rush, right? The idea is, is that it is not long and drawn out and you're not calling anyone. That's why it's quicker. Because it's within the jama'ah, it's in the front line yani, or the second line or whatever. It's close to the imam. You, not, there's no microphone. It's just a quick yani, right? It's being established, khalas. All right, so that's what he means by quick. And that's important. Um, the next point is that it is to be 11 words. 11 words. Now, 11 words is, is important for us to discuss because there are some ahadith which show some differences. Which show some differences. So, I want to just talk about the first one. The first hadith which is very famous in this matter is the, uh, is it, like I will just say to you, is the Hanafi uh, the one that we all know, the one that we all practice, the one that we all use. But it's called the Hanafi Iqama because the Hanafis put a stamp on it. And that's the one that they stick to and they don't go to any other. And that's why it's known as the Hanafi uh, 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 Iqama. Otherwise, of course, all of the scholars operate by this. And this is the one which will be 17 sentences. Okay, 17 sentences. So let's count them. Let's count them one by one. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah. Hayya ala al-Salah, Hayya ala al-Salah, Hayya ala al-Falah, Hayya ala al-Falah. Qad qamati al-Salah, Qad qamati al-Salah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah. Okay, 17 sentences. 
effectively for everyone else, if you want to understand it, is the adhan plus two qamat uh, salah. Uh, That's basically what it is. Where did this come from? Where did this come from? There are a number of ahadith which have narrated this exact adhan. The first one is the hadith of Abi Al-Mahdura. Abi Mahdura. Abi Mahdura or Abu Mahdura. And we've talked about this hadith a number of times so far. He said that the Prophet wasallam taught him the adhan as 19 words and the iqama as 17 words. Okay? And this hadith is sahih and we talked about it as well. And Imam Darqutni, alright, um, he mentioned something in this statement. What does 19 word mean? Now, this is something interesting that some scholars mentioned. If you, want to have, if you ever want to have some fun, if you want to play with the Hanafis and the Shafi'is, okay? This is like one of the... One of the this is what the Hanbalis and the Malikis used to do, make fun of the Hanafis this, using this hadith. Okay, it's very interesting. Watch this, yeah? This hadith is a... Uh, fun, I mean joking around, yani, okay? Don't take this... Don't get upset, yani, all right? <laughs> so, um, the, word, the hadith says 19 word for the Adhan and 17 word for the Iqama. Okay? Someone explain to me what we've been covering over the last few weeks. The adhan is? 15, okay, 15, 17, 19. Good. Alright, good. 15, 17, 19. We've covered that in this class. Which one did we say is the adhan of the Muslims? Meaning the majority? 15. Okay, 15. Alright, good. I said to you that this is the iqama of the, the ahnaf, the Hanafi school, right? This is their number one key hadith. Right? In it, they take the evidence that the Prophet ﷺ said that the iqama is 17 words. 17 words, yeah? I'll repeat the hadith to you. The Prophet ﷺ, uh, Abu Mahdura said, radiallahu an, he said that Nabi ﷺ told me, taught me the adhan in 19 words or 19 sentences, and he taught me the iqama in 17 sentences. Okay? Right. What is known as the Hanafi adhan? 15, right? What is known as the Hanafi Iqama? 17. As the Mashaykh used to say, they acted on one half of the Hadith and they didn't act upon the other. Okay, because the, the Hanafi Madhab is, is, a, is an interesting, is, is very strict. Not strict, but sometimes يعني, the, the people are strict. The scholars aren't. But the, the, the Awam, as they say, they will not accept any other versions of the Adhan. Like for example, if you said to, you know, we taught in this class, what did we teach? We said that it's Sunnah to practice all three of the different versions. Hanafi will be like, like bro, we're Hanafis. You know what I'm saying? They're very yani, closed like that. They don't accept it. If you said it to Shafi'i, generally, he said, yeah, okay, Allah, let's do it. Uh, let's do the Sunnah and let's do all three. We have our preferred choice which is 15, or actually we should be 19, but we'll do 15, 17, whatever. And there is a madahib, you know, the people of the madahib. But our log, yani, they see log are very, you know, so it's only that. And that's interesting, because for them, this is the hadith which gives the proof for their iqama. Their iqama. And by the way, when I say their, it's our iqama as well. This hadith is sahih. That's why it's a sunnah to give the adhan in 17 words. But the question is, why then don't they give the adhan in the 19? And that's not something that they've always been, and they always struggle to respond to that. They always struggle to respond to that. The answer is, is that actually that's fine. A 19 one is there, we'll accept it. But the, the 15 word version in the other hadith, 
which is, is of course another hadith it's more authentic and so therefore we'll and so what they would decide to do is we'll choose the most authentic hadith out of all of them and stick to those and that's very uh, that's very uh, uh, what's the word typical of the people of fiqh ahlul fiqh and ahlul ra'i the people who of opinion that's very typical gotta choose the most specific hadith can't yani, have different you know options Whereas the way of Ahl al-Hadith, as I've mentioned many times in this class, all right, Ahl al-Hadith meaning the scholars of Hadith, the way of their Hadith is that they never dismiss a Hadith. If it's authentic, it has to play, part, play a part in a game. It has to play a part in a game. And there's no big pressure upon me to weaken it, and there's no big pressure upon me to abrogate it, and there's no, weak, there's no big pressure upon me to deny it, Whereas that pressure is, is almost always on the people of fiqh. Because they have to support their opinion. It's got to be this opinion. So I've got to find ways of you know, trying to you know, overcome the other. Whereas uh, uh, hadith are like, it's cool. We have one and one and one, 15 and 17 19. Which means that sometimes it is 15, sometimes it is 17, sometimes it is 19. So we play with all of them whenever and when the people are happy and comfortable. And if they're not comfortable, we just stick to one and that, that's it. And a nice flexible attitude. And I think that's a very important lesson to learn here. So anyway, Imam al qutni who as you know is one of the scholars of hadith, he mentioned something interesting in his hadith. He's uh, comment, commentating, uh, uh, making a comment, a footnote to this hadith. He said, يعني لا يعود من ذلك which, which basically means that he does not go back to the original position. What does that mean? What does that mean? That the, uh, the, the, in the iqama being... Uh, 17 words, right? The Iqama being 17 words, he does not make it like the 19 word Adhan. What would it be like if it was a 19, like the 19 word Adhan? 21. Excellent. Okay, why would that be? But how? Give me the numbers. How would it stack up to 21? Break it down. Yep. Okay. No, no. We're talking about, as you said, if we if we were doing this iqama according to the adhan of the same hadith. If we were doing the iqama according to the same adhan in this hadith, it would be how many words? Twenty-one. Why? Yeah, this exact same hadith. Yep. Which is nineteen plus two. And where did 19 come from? What's happening to make it 19 sentences? Yep. Again, yeah. So that so this 19 word is the tarjiyat as we as we said. Okay. Is that clear, everybody? That's very very important. A quick reminder because people are looking blank faced again. All right. Remember that the 15 word version is a normal version. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. Hayya la salah, hayya la salah, hayya la fala. You know, normal adhan, that's 15 words. To make it 19, which is what the hadith mentions, then what happens is, is that just before you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha, you say to yourself, Ashhadu an la ilaha, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. So you've now said it four times. Now you go, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. So this is tarjiyah. Yes? So Imam Darukutni said that the iqama is 17 words. There is no tarjiyah. It became 17 using a baseline 15 word adhan and added to 
iqamas to it, to qanqamati salah. Is that clear, everybody? That's important to keep in mind. And there are other hadith as well on this matter. I don't really need to, you know, make this into too much of a hadith, uh, um, uh, too much of a hadith issue. Okay. So uh, the next point. Sorry, the next version of this uh, adhan is the one that we know to be as I guess. Desi log would say it's the Arabi log adhan, yeah? It's the Arab adhan, right? Which is the, huh? The iqama, beg your pardon, not adhan, iqama. The iqama, which is like the Arab one, which is 11, okay? And it's one that, of course, many of us know as well. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Hayal al salah, Hayal al falah, Qad qamat al salah, Qad qamat al salah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. 11 words, very famous, and this is based upon a number of hadith as well. The first of them is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Zayd, okay? Abdullah ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu, this is of course the companion who had the dream about the adhan, and he was saying that the angel then, he said to me that when he taught me the adhan, he then said to me, say, إِذَا أُقِيمَةِ الصَّلَاةِ Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, meaning the angel said to me in the same dream that when you're about to establish the prayer, make the iqamah for the prayer, then say this. And then he basically said what I just said to you. 11 words exactly. And this hadith has been narrated by, um, has been collected by Ibn Ishaq and it is authentic inshallah. And we have another version of this hadith as well. Or we have another hadith, I should say, I beg your pardon. Hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. And he said, كان الأذان على أحد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مثنى مثنى والإقامة مرة مرة إلا أنت إلا أنك تقول قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة. This hadith is a hadith which is Hassan, narrated by Imam the four the four the the uh, sorry by the Ashab al-Sunan. This hadith is a, a good hadith narrated by the uh, the the four authors of the Sunan. Who are these people? Who are the four authors of the Sunan? <laughs> Imam Abu Dawood, Imam At-Tirmidhi, Imam Al-Nasai, and Imam Ibn Majah. Okay? And this hadith is inshallah good. What did he say? Ibn Umar, radiallahu anhumah, he said that at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the adhan used to be two and two, and the iqama used to be one and single and single. Yani indicating... The, the pairing of the takbirs and the ashadu an la ilaha illallah and, and indicating that in the iqama it's said single times only. Okay? The next hadith is a very interesting one. Still on the same opinion, but I need to explain this hadith because there's a lot of controversy over this hadith. This hadith is called the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. Okay? The hadith of Anas ibn Malik in the iqama. He said um, that... Bilal was ordered, this is Anas speaking as a young boy, Bilal radiallahu an was ordered an al-adhan wa al-iqama to make the adhan even and to make the iqama odd. Okay? Bilal was ordered to make the adhan even and to make the iqama odd. This hadith is in Sahil Bukhari. Alright? It is the most authentic of hadith. Right, my question for you guys, okay? What do you think is the meaning of 
this um, statement. What do you think? Sorry, it's again? So you're, you're talking about that it refers to, sorry? 15, 17, 19. Right. Okay, so to start off with, good. Let's, that's a discussion, that's a starter point. If you look at the Adhan, it's 15 words, 17 words, and 19 words. None of them are even. So what does that mean? It can't be referring to the number of words. So that's one thing off the list, yes? What's the next possibility? So, explain it. Give, them, give an example. Let's make it super clear. So when you say Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, you're you're seeing that as a like two. That's the that's the that's the even. Okay. And when we do the iqama and we only say Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah once, then it becomes a odd. That's your your example. Alright, I hope everyone understood that, yes? The question would be asked, what would happen if Allahu Akbar? In using that using that opinion, that explanation, how does that apply to the Allahu Akbar in the normal adhan? So in the Allahu Akbar is four times. You probably say, Would I see this is still even, right? Okay, is that what you'd say? Okay, maybe you would. Yeah, alright. But but what about in Iqama? In Iqama it would it would be it would be twice, right? So would that be the Now you'll see why there's controversy over this hadith. It's different okay, another opinion? It is um extracted from the Okay, so the what you're saying I'll express in a slightly more different way, uh, and that's the opinion of a number of the scholars, and that is is that it's looking at the original words of the adhan and effectively halving them, okay, halving them, and so that it goes to the odd with respect to the adhan. Yeah, so it's odd to the original adhan. It might not be odd in its final consequence. It's not. It might not end up odd in when you say in the iqama, for example, you say Allah Akbar, but that's actually even. But compared to the adhan, it's odd because it was even. It was. It was two, and then it became single. Yep. And one of the meanings of witr not only is witr and yutr al-iqama, it's not just that you make it odd, but the witr also has a meaning of one as well. And so therefore, in this understanding and this explanation, what happens is that the iqama itself has Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, which is odd comparatively speaking to the adhan, and then ashhadu an la ilaha illallah is odd comparatively speaking to the double, and ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah is once comparatively speaking to the even double of, and so on and so forth. Okay? And so therefore that's where you get the people who use this hadith, they used it to support the way that the iqamah is given. Qad qamati salah, qad qamati salah. I will also extend and say that there is a third expression of the adhan. I'll just mention it on the side. And this third expression, okay, is 
um, effectively the entire uh, adhan, but qad qamat salah only once. Okay? Qad qamat salah only once. What would that be? This would be a 10-word version. This would be a 10-word version. And the idea there, the idea there is they've taken the hadith again, literally, and understood it just like we just explained it, but they said there's no evidence to say qad qamat salah twice. Because the Dayani Yutar Iqama and the word iqama means to say qad qamat. Yeah, indeed the prayer has been iqamat, yani, okay. So therefore they'd make that odd as well. So therefore you got a ten. Okay? There's also another opinion, but the reason I'm kind of passing over these two these opinions is because they're not the mainstream. Alright? What else would the, another opinion be? Obvious one. Sixteen? No. What else would be the obvious opinion? Especially using this hadith of Bilal. Uh, hadith of Anas bin Malik. That Bilal was ordered to make the adhan or, uh, even and uh, the witr odd. The witr odd. The iqama odd. No. Go on. Go ahead, go on. Yep, carry on. Yep. Yep. Very good. La ilaha illallah. Yes, eight words, and that's what some of the salaf used to say. Some of the salaf, yani meaning that the meaning of the hadith is everything becomes witr, everything becomes yani singular. So that's also a possibility. What's what's the position of the scholars on these uh, various hadith and narrations? Um, Ibn Hazm, Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi, he chose for himself that the strongest opinion of the uh, adhan, meaning the most closest to the sunnah, is the 11-word version. The hadith uh, support that. The hadith of Bilal is in Bukhari. It's a very strong shout. He doesn't deny the other. Well, there are some people who did deny the 17-word version. But this is his position. This is also the adhan of Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab. Okay, this is his position. It's also the position of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar, his son. It's also the hadith, the adhan of Anas ibn Malik. I keep saying iqama, adhan, don't I? Iqama, iqama. I'm talking about iqama here, folks, okay? Even though you know that the adhan and iqama are names which are interchangeable, okay? But I am talking about the iqama. So this is the iqama, okay? The 11-word iqama, 11-sentence iqama is the iqama of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, Abdullah ibn Umar, Anas ibn Malik, Al-Hassan uh, al-Basri, Imam of Tabi'een, uh, Makhul, Makhul is another Imam of Tabi'een, and Imam Zuhri, Zuhri of course is the teacher of who? Zuhri is the teacher of Imam Malik, okay, and Imam Al-Awza'i, Imam Sufyan, uh, Imam Al-Awza'i from Mecca, and Imam Ahmed, Imam Ahmed, that's of course our. Uh, 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 position we're discussing now and Ishaq Ishaq is referring to who? Ishaq is from the Imams Ishaq ibn Rahway okay Ishaq ibn Rahway wa Abu Thawr wa Yahya ibn Yahya wa Dawood wa Ibn al-Mundhir wa ghayrihim yani qal al-baghwi wa huwa qawl akthar al-ulama basically this is the position of the majority of scholars okay this is the position of the majority of the scholars okay um Um, I'll tell you something else which is really interesting. Okay. You know the whole discussion of about making it odd. 
right? So the iqama, um, I was saying that Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, you'd get stuck with that, right? And we have to try, I mean, it's easy. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah That's easy. Yeah, we've made that odd. But we, do, we are doing a little bit of kind of wordplay when we try to make Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar into odd. Yes, we said it's odd comparatively speaking to the Adhan. The Shafi'i Madhab, they said, it is mustahab, I love this, okay? It is mustahab to try and em- emphasize the oddness of the iqama that you must, when I say must meaning sunnah, mustahab, you must say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar in one breath. <laughs> I found that fascinating. Okay, you'll find Imam Anno we mentioned that. Imam Anno we said that in our madhab it is mustahab to say it together, like it becomes one statement, like a blag yani, which I think is awesome. I mean, absolute awesome classic move, yeah. So they basically say, "See, it's like odd," which is of course lameness yani when you think about it, because then what's the other one when you recite it slowly? You know what I'm saying? The adhan. But anyway, that's why he said, "Walihada qala ashabuna." يستحب للمؤذن أن يقول كل تكبيرة أن يقول أن يقول كل تكبيرتين بنفس واحد واحدا يعني to say the two takbirs in one single breath so it would always be الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله very different from the rest of it هيا على الصلاة هيا على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة you know it would be like like this as opposed to saying um, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. That's the yani, the Shafi'i way. They say, no, you don't say it like that because you're just kind of confusing people. It's not single anymore, it's double kind of thing, right? And in the same, in the same way, they would say that you wouldn't rush upon the Hayya, the Hayya Latin either. So they would say, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala al As opposed to saying, Hayya ala salati, Hayya ala al in the same breath. Okay? Alright, so that's um, uh, so that's that. Inshallah. What else did I want to say? No, I think that's uh, that's. I think that's all you need to know with respect to the numbers. Um, yes. Yes, and we're gonna we're gonna come to what uh, Sheikh Uthameen talks about that in a second. Um, yeah. How do how would La ilaha illallah become single? No, no. What I say in 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 reflection of the hadith, which says that the adhan is even and the iqama is odd. Uh, that's also a good point, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, whatever whatever uh, explanation you choose for the for the hadith of Anas, Bilal was was ordered to make it odd. You're gonna have some kind of blag. You have to have some kind of explanation because Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar has not been changed at the end. And La ilaha illallah hasn't changed either. Right? So, but this is the action of the, of, the, of the masses upon it and their understanding. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. I mean, it's a, it's a good point. And it's an interesting issue to be honest. Um, yes. The Basit, yeah. Could it uh, could it uh, apply to what? Sorry, Fajr. Fajr. Yeah. 
Um, two adhan and one iqama. Uh, no, the reason I don't think uh, Abbas is saying is it possible that it could have, this hadith is referring to um, to fajr. Uh, uh, it actually it actually just made me realize what you were trying to say. It's like a issue. Right. I, I, I understood something completely different. Um, it's interesting. I never heard that and I never thought about that. Um, and basically, uh, just so that you understand what Abdul Basit is saying, just in case you misunderstood it like I misunderstood it the first time, what Abdul Basit is saying, is it possible that when Bilal was ordered, as Anas said, Bilal was ordered to make the adhan even and to make the uh, iqama odd, okay? Is it possible this is referring to the fact that Bilal was ordered to do this at Fajr time and at Fajr then there was two adhans and that at the iqama there was only one? Um, as I said, the answer is no. Okay, it's interesting as a position, and I never read it. And but the reason it wouldn't get to that is because of the following reasons. Number one, Bilal never gave the adhan for the second; he gave the first adhan only. Number two, there's a difference. It doesn't come across in translation, but in Arabic, there's a difference to say here. We would say "Yani Umira and Yuadin Marratain" would be the Arabic correct yani way of saying this. That he was told to give the adhan twice. And the iqama once. He, you would not say that make the adhan even and make the witr odd. It's possible at a massive stretch, but it's not linguistically the way of the Arabs. Does that make sense? You wouldn't say if you were trying to talk about a Bilal saying the adhan one hour before and then one, uh, then another one later and then the iqama as well. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Um, so that's why I don't believe it's, it's, the, it's, it's, the right, it's the right interpretation. But Allah knows best. Allah knows best. Um, one thing I was going to do is to go through the words just so that no, none of these, none of the, this class ever yani, does our best yani, when it comes to iqama. And also um, anyone listening, everyone. Okay? So Allahu Akbar is all easy. We've done that, isn't it? Yes? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Remember again to keep the Dhamma there. All right? By the way, I just want to mention something. You know that I said to you that it's not correct to say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, because of course then you put a fatha upon the ra. And this is correct, what I'm saying. You, you shouldn't say that. However, if a person said it, I told you before, it's not something that you'd say, hey bro, stop and you know, do it again. It's not what we call a mistake which is fatal. And that's very important that you recognize that. Because... <laughs> there's a there's a there's a there's a joke amongst the scholars. Um, basically, it goes that if there's anyone who can justify anything, it's the linguists. Okay, meaning that you know when people start coming up with dodgy opinions, or or if someone falls into you know what the you know what the uh, you know what the, the masses say about scholars in the movies, they always can find a way out of their you know issues. Huh? They can find a fatwa for something. Whatever they do, he'll find some kind of blag for it in the dean, which is this is like a cuss, isn't it? So amongst the scholars, they say the same thing about the, uh, the linguists. They always be able to find some kind of linguistic way out. Now sometimes that's, that's actually quite useful. If you're going to use that to, as an excuse for the masses. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So let me give you an example of that. So if there was like a, a student of knowledge, if he's saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, we'll say, bro, come here. Yeah? Afterwards, of course, and say, come on, man, you're, you're a student of knowledge. You shouldn't be doing that kind of behavior. It's not correct. And it is yani khabar, and you should be making it dhamma. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Simple, uh, end of. 
If there's like some old uncle and he's not listening to you, doesn't care about anyone else, and he's going Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar with the with the fatha, with the uh, uh, zabar, then we can make an excuse for him. Number one, it's not a fatal mistake. Number two, it is possible when you have yani meaning that when you have these two uh, sukuns, they they join. It is possible to come out of that problem with the a uh, sound. It is not unheard of. It's when you're and Yani, what I'm trying to say is that if you pause upon the ra and the tongue continues to the next, so a person says Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and a person overruns, then the sound will come out as Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, like a fatha. And that is not an intentional changing of the meaning. And so that, and I told you before, the meaning changing here is also a bit stretched. You don't, it's not a massive change. Okay? I told you that the change is that you are assuming as an, an inserted word. When you say Allahu Akbar, you are indicating to the listener that there is something else. This sentence is incomplete. And that's the problem. But it's not a fatal problem. It's not a direct changing of the meaning. So I just wanted to let you know that. Anyway, when you give the iqamah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah Now, if you're doing it part by part, which you should, Hayya ala salah if you are meant to, if you are going to continue it, it will be salati, Okay, you hear many people say salatu, It's not two, it's T. salati, Is that clear? Okay, and then it is Okay, if you were to break it down, it's قَدْ Indeed, قَامَتْ Meaning, it has been established. The ta is for the feminine word which is to continue, come up. Because what has been established, قَامَتْ As-salah. As-salah is, a, is the actor here. It is the fa'il. It is as-salatu. The salah has been established. So, as-salah is a feminine word. So, if you're going to keep it going, and it is قَدْ Qamat as-salah. Qad qamat as-salah. Now because you have again this meeting of the iltiqaa sakinayn, yani you have the sukoon of qad qamat at sukoon and as-salah alif, yani the the sukoon they they match. You will see, for example, in like a Pakistani kind of print mushaf. They'll help you out and they put a little, you know, kasra at the bottom. Little zir at the bottom of the ta to show you it should be qad qama tis salah. Qad qama tis salah. Okay? But in actual, the Arabic is qad qamat as salah. But when you say only one go, then you say qad qama tis salah. Qad, there's a little bit of, yani, qalqala on it. Qad, not qad. Qad. Is that clear? And if you're going to say continuously or, or both of them, Okay? Let's make sure that everyone's got that. I want to hear it. From, I'm, I'm serious. I want to hear everyone. Because honestly, this kills me, man. When I see, when I see Pax, I go, They genuinely don't know how to say it. Okay? So we're going to take it in groups of four. Alright? Everyone says it, and, and I know that I've heard it, and everyone's happy. Okay? 
So we're going to do it in continuation. Continuously. So I want you to say it like قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةُ قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةُ Okay, good. So we'll have you, you group in the middle there. Yep. Very good. You guys there in the end? That's the best so far. Excellent. Girls, yep. I heard قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةِ I heard it. Okay, let's do it again. Go. Okay, good. You guys? Good. Alhamdulillah. I'm satisfied. Online, say it. Listen to yourself. Just say it. Say, yep, we got it. Alhamdulillah. Good. Okay, excellent. So let's move on then, inshallah. Oh, no, sorry. Um, Sheikh Uthameen then uh, says... Um, we're at the bottom of page 64. By the way, just so that we're, we're clear on this, what's the ruling of Iqama? I mean, we did this like weeks ago. What's the actual ruling? Do we have to do it or not? <coughs> We've covered this in detail. Sometimes, you know, we move on and we forget the most obvious point. What's the ruling on the Iqama? You can remember. The class position was to do it. So what's the class position was what? To do, not to, do. <laughs> to do it. The class position, of course, is to do it. That's not exactly a legal position, bro. Yeah, what's the legal position? What's the opening words of the text? Or, or, on Adhan and Iqama. Wahuma. Everyone's desperate looking back at their notes. Bob's, Shaz, everyone. How long do you want, uh, Shaz? Yeah, sorry, How long do you want? Don't try to blag it. <laughs> How long do you want? <laughs> Come on, man. And online, I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet, Mesa's in there, bang. Huh? Not good enough. Should give it. What, what, what should? Should give it. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. What's the ruling, man? May Allah forgive you. Communal obligation, okay? <laughs> it's for kifaya, okay? It is a fard kifaya. For what? For who? Presidents. Unbelievable, man. Presidents. <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> okay, I'm going to say this. Yes. Basically, if one person does it in the rest of the area, yep. okay. uh, at least one person has to do it. Right. To fill the heart of the whole thing. Okay, okay. Let me make this super clear because this is a problem. All right? The adhan. All right? Just so that you hear this and it's clear the adhan is a fart kifaya the adhan is going to be done for a congregation or for a city <coughs> or for a city okay the adhan itself when it happens it has to happen for that particular group or for that city if you're at home and you don't do it it's been done it is sufficient meaning that these original rulings are for a group of people so when the adhan goes off in the masjid, he is doing it not only for his masjid, but theoretically for the entire area as well. But the area has got to be a, a controlled area. You can't say all of Manchester. Like it, we should understand it as a small area, like Cheadle. Or maybe even that's a bit too much. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So that's important. So it is fard kifaya for a, small a- for a small area, small group of people. Right? As for the individual, it is a sunnah. It is recommended. He is rewarded for it. If he does it, it's good. If he's on his own, individual. If he doesn't, no problem. 
As for the iqama, exactly the same. The iqama is a fard kifaya, a communal obligation for the people who are in that particular area, okay, or that particular group. If you are by yourself, it is a recommendation. It is sunnah. It is rewardable. Is that clear, everybody? Remember that. Okay? So yes, the answer is that we all should do it. Both of them, all the time. There's no doubt about that. Okay? And of course, the whole reason we're studying this is for us to do it. But it's also to know when we don't have to do it and when we're not sinning and so on. I'll tell you something interesting. There were some scholars, by the way, who said that it's actually obligatory. Right? So it's fard. Right? No fard kifaya. It's fard. All right? And not yani sufficient... Meaning that if you didn't hear it, then you've got to do it. Okay? So if you're not in a masjid, you've got to do it as well at home. And then not only on, on, top, on top of that, even, well, I'll say worse, because it's such a strange position, but it was held by some scholars, that it is a rukan of the prayer, a shart of the prayer. Any prayer without the adhan is not complete. And they said that some of the dahiris said that, but that's not really authentic. Anyway, anyway, um, So we can say that uh, what is, uh, of all these positions, uh, you have the 17 word, you have the 11 word, you have other 8 word versions, 9 word versions and so on and so forth. But the position of the Imam, of Imam Ahmed and the majority of the scholars is 11. But as Sheikh Uthaymin says, we remind ourselves again of what Ibn Taymiyyah taught us, the key principle. The key principle. And I will quote it, okay, again, because he said, بِأَنَّ الْعِبَادَةِ الواردة على وجوه متنوعة ينبغي أن تفعل على جميع الوجوه هذا طارة وهذا تارة بشرط بشرط أن لا يكون في في هذا تشويش على العامة أو فتنة. Okay, basically the statement that took us about half an hour to write down last time. Okay, remember that one? Yeah, which basically is that when you have any narrated acts of worship that are narrated to have happened in many different forms, okay, in different ways. In different kind of expressions, i.e. 15, 17, 19 for the Adhan, and now for the Iqama, 11 and 17, then it is necessary, it is a must that a person does these actions in all of their ways. Sometimes this one, sometimes this one, upon the condition that it does not cause any confusion for the people, for the laymen, or cause any fitna. We discussed that in detail last time, didn't we? So, what have you learned from this? What have you learned from this now in this lesson? That 17 word one, the one that you hear in the Hanafi one, is something you should revive individually and you should support. And the 11 word version that you know as the Arab one or the Saudi one or the Wahhabi one, whatever you want to call that one, yeah, is also the Sunnah and you should support and revive accordingly. Okay, the next statement is, And the one who um, gave the Adhan, he should make the Iqama. And the reason for that actually is just the copying of Bilal radiallahu an because there is a hadith on the matter. There is actually a hadith that whoever gives the adhan should give the iqamah, but this hadith is weak. And it was considered weak by the majority of scholars. This hadith has been narrated by Imam Ahmed and by Imam Abu Dawood. Man adhana fahuwa yuqim. The one who gives the adhan, then he should give the iqamah as well. And it has a number of narrators in there. And, uh, um, there is an Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad. Uh, we, have, we used to have, I, I don't know if Shazad, if you remember this, uh, this narrator or not. Uh, his name is Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad al-Afriqi. Okay? And this, uh, uh, this uh, Afriqi, he miskin is da'if. 
Okay? <laughs> and you know why we used to laugh about this hadith is because um, if you just, just, just look at this, yeah? Just look at this chain. <clears throat> I'm going to read you the chain and just see the way that people used to classify people, right? Or scholars used to classify people. <clears throat> this hadith is known as uh, the hadith of Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad al-Afriqi and Ziyad ibn Naim al-Hadrami and Ziyad ibn al-Harith. Okay? Look at these three people in the chain that are narrating. The first one is called uh, Abdurrahman ibn Ziyad the African. The next guy is called Ziyad ibn Naim from Hadramaut. And the other guy is called Ziyad ibn al-Harith. Right? I can 100% tell you the Ziyad ibn Harith Although I don't want to just check to confirm my yani, thing. He's just a standard Arab, yeah? So he gets the respect of not having to yani, judge, justify his existence, right? <laughs> As for the Yemeni one, he's obviously not good enough. So he has to be, <clears throat> it's because he's Arab still, yeah? He can be justified by his city or his area, Hadramaut, in Yemen. As for the African, no way are we accepting any African. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna justify you by your continent. <laughs> You're gonna be identified by your continent. And I remember, I think it was in, I think it was Tafsir class or whatever, and we started attacking Sheikh Ihlan over this issue. It was in some, I don't know what lesson it was, and he said that, he goes, you can say anything that you want, but there has never been in the history of Hadith anyone al Pakistani. <laughs> <laughs> So even there, he goes, at least there was people there who were narrating. Huh? So it's a joke about this. Obviously, I'm, I am joking about the, the way that this, uh, there's obviously some specific reason that he was mentioned. And this is not strange, of course. There are various scholars, they become famous by the Al-Albani, for example. All right? That's Sheikh Nasruddin Al-Albani. He is the Albanian. Sounds like, sounds like a film, the Albanian. Right? Huh? That's city, isn't it? You expect from cities, but you don't expect from, from things. I mean, to be honest, there is something also else there. I, I mean, I personally think there's a little bit there. I think it indicates that there's a place which is not producing a lot of scholars, for example. Islam is not spread and so on and so forth. When you look at the Caucasus region, Islam got there very quick. All right? And so when you don't see Al-Qawqazi, you don't see the name of someone who is from the Caucasus region. Huh? Tatari, not in the classical. Not, in the, not, not amongst muhaddithin. We are talking about fi ahd al-hadith. So we're talking in the first three generations. I could be wrong. No. I think you're right. Yeah? I, 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 I could be wrong. I don't think that you will find a Tatari or a Tatari yani, as a reference to the whole qawm of the Tatar in the time of hadith. Obviously, these names come afterwards. Yani, you know, there's plenty. But in the classical times, so when you look at, for example, a Nasa'i, he comes from a Nasa'i, all right? And a Bukhari comes from Bukhara. And you look at who else? A Sajistani, for example, Badawud Sajistani from Sajistan. And al Khurasani, the Khurasan, and that's another interesting one that could throw the theory out. Khurasan is a massive area, it's all of Iran, right? And yet you got them called Khurasan, yeah, named after the entire uh, area. But then you also have some scholars which were named after cities in, in Persia or Iran. Huh? Al-Wasili, for example, and whatever. I don't know, it's interesting. I don't think it's a, it's a I don't think, uh, I don't know, it, it requires further study. Anyway, Al-Muhim, is that this Afriqi, Al-Afriqi, he is weak. And Al-Hadith Da'afu, Isnad Al-Baghwi, Ibn Turkmani, 
and Imam Nawawi, and so on and so forth. Okay, this hadith is weak. Anyway, um, so what I, what I found interesting is that this practice that the adhan, who, uh, the mu'adhin, sorry, he should give the iqama, its actual legislation is purely the action of Bilal. Because what we know is that Bilal would give the adhan, and I was talking about Dhuhr now and every other prayer, and he would definitely give the iqama as well. We know that for a fact. Because that has been narrated, it was understood that because that never changed, that's got to be the right way. So this therefore means, okay, that a person who is given niqama, he should seek permission from the mu'adhin, and this is correct, okay? And if he doesn't, then there is the possibility of what? Not that, that the iqama is wrong, or the iqama is invalid, but this person has done wrong. Is it a sin or not? That's a big statement for us to make. What we can certainly say is that the mu'adhin can come and cause some beef. And say, you took my thing away, you mustn't do that again, get him to apologize, whatever, whatnot. He has a right to be offended. He has been oppressed in this because he's the one who came, put in the time, did you know the hard work when everyone was not here, and did whatever, and now my man comes and blacks the iqama on a, on a sly one. However, if the masjid has a system, and they agree to a system, you know, that uh, I'm going to give the adhan, you're going to give the iqama, then, you know, that is as acceptable. But I just want you to know, as students of knowledge, we need to promote this position. I, for example, always, always, when I give the adhan, I will indicate to someone else to give the iqama. They will wait, people generally wait, and I will say, yeah, please go ahead, whatever. I don't want to, for example, go to the front rows. You know, that's one of the issues. You know, sometimes, I told you before that I personally prefer giving adhan from a bit, you know, out so that more can benefit from it, you know, uh, inanimate animate objects. And so when I'm finished that, then the mission is full anyway. Mission going through all the people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, go on. It's good that. That's good etiquette. Good etiquette. Yeah, yeah. Who, who gave the iqamah uh, fajr? Who gave the iqamah fajr? Bilal. Bilal radiallahu anh. So, uh, not, uh, No, not as far as I know. Not as far as I know. Yes. This is a good question, actually. Sheikh Uthameen talks about that right here, about a temporary or deputy. What's your specific question? What do you mean? If there is a deputy, what? The, mosque, the, imam, is not there. the imam is not there. Why are we about the imam here now? You mean the mu'addin is not there, you mean? Oh, you're talking about a scenario where there is no mu'addin. A normal, what we call the, the, the ratib, the standard... Yani, the usual guy, yeah, the formal, the, the employed guy, whatever. So he's not there, or there isn't one. Yeah, so basically, like someone, like, he, he doesn't know if the imam will come, but he, if the imam doesn't come, he's like a deputy. Oh, no, it's something different. Oh, no, he is the, the actual. Like, like he, we know, like, he's a deputy. Right, right. But he, um, he does the other one, <laughs> because he doesn't know if the imam's going to come or not. So then the imam doesn't come, so then he leaves the prayer as well. Right. I mean, so I want. So, exactly like the question. This is important for you to understand. This, okay? This fiqh that's being discussed is being discussed in a very formal situation. Organized masjid, organized imam, regular muaddin, whatever. It does not apply to exceptional scenarios, such as the masajid which are upon the route, the roads, okay? Which has its own special fiqh, right? And when we're talking, you know, the ones back, like we see back in Muslim countries, you know, little kind of places, yeah, on the side. And, you know, people call them musallas, but they're actually masajid as well, right? Now, some of them will have a regular imam, and some of them will never ever have a regular imam. 
And so here we can't possibly apply because we have no idea who's coming, not coming, this, that, whatever. So if a stranger turned up to this you know, place and he, he's, the time is in, and he can't see a mu'adhin, he can't see, he can't be blamed yani, for making adhan. He can't be blamed for turning around making the iqamah, then someone saying, no, no, there is a jama'ah. Oh, sorry, I made the mistake. So this is not to be applied to that. Now, in the scenario of actually some semi-formal situation where there is a, a secondary imam, a secondary, uh, a second, uh, imam or temporary imam, and of course the people then are the judge. And if the people recognize this guy as the authority and the one who controls things in the absence of the real imam, then they just follow him. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Yes, yes, there's no evidence to suggest that the Imam cannot be the Mu'addin and cannot give the Iqamah. There's no evidence. But in general, they're two separate things. And the reason for that is because when you look at the Sunnah of the Prophet, the Iqamah was never given until the Imam came out. So when you look at, you know, but people mention and talk about what time it should be given. It's not a time. This is one of the big mistakes that we have as Muslim communities. All right. And I want to really emphasize this point. It's, I mean, you understand why the Muslims have caused this problem or, or they do this because everyone's working to lunch hours and, you know, minutes and everyone's living at a very fast time. But they'll look at the time half past one and they'll like be having, you know, what's happened, where's the thing here? And they'll, they'll actually stand up and give the iqamah, which is the height of disrespect. The height of disrespect and maybe something even worse, maybe even a sin. Because the imam is not hurried. The salah is established when the imam comes. Now the response to this, of course, is, listen, we're a new world, we're a modern thingy, we have to have a system, we can't have an imam just chilling, this, that, whatever, that's what we have. And it's a fair point. So there needs to be a balance. The balance is not fixed by you standing up and giving the iqamah by itself. It's by you going to the trustees, saying that, uh, you know, there's a little issue here, can you please ensure? And they're having a word with the imam, he fixes it. But it's not about you standing up. The Bilal radiallahu an, we have so many ahadith that, that establish this fact. He would not give the iqamah until the Prophet ﷺ came out. In actual fact, we have a hadith in where? Um, hadith in, I think in, uh, uh, I think in Bukhari, no? Yes, hadith in Bukhari. Correct, I, I was right. Uh, where the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't come out after one of the, the, the you know, the, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he said that if it wasn't that I feared upon my nation, I would delay the Isha until much later. And the companions would be sitting waiting for Isha and they would, you know, remember we covered this hadith, they would be knocking off to sleep yeah, and like this because they're sitting waiting so long, right? And so in one of these cases, it was going on and on and on and on. And then Bilal an, he stood up and he went to the Prophet ﷺ, whose house was next door, right? And he said to him, As-salaya Rasulullah, the prayer, oh Messenger of Allah, yeah, and he, what's happening? Is it happening? Not happening? What's going on? And then the Prophet ﷺ came out and then he gave the iqamah. So this is clear evidence that in terms of giving it, it is based upon the imam. But in the scenario where you said, well, we don't have a fixed imam, don't know what's happening. No, no, you set up and go. Give the iqamah and off you go. Yeah? Um, there's that point. The other point is, the other point is, the other question is, when do people stand up for the iqamah? Or when do they start to actually establish the rows? And there were many discussions and whatever, whatnot. You will see, what's the, the, the Brilla one? The Brilla one, I think, is... Just as soon as they're under Muhammad Rasulullah, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would just stand up, right? So uh, that's not a scholarly position, by the way. But I mean, there were some scholars which went for the obvious one. They said, Qad qamatis salah, because the prayer, uh, you know, Qad qamat linguistically means that the prayer stood up. So we might as well stand up. Qamat yani, okay? 
So we should stand up. And that's the common practice of the masses. Alright? But the sunnah is what? What's the sunnah? When the imam comes. Good. So stand up when the imam comes. There's no case of everyone sits down. When the imam comes, then it's time to time to get the lines ready. So everyone should stand up. There's no waiting around. The iqama, the, the, the one who's giving the iqama, doesn't have to stand there in a perfect scenario. He can start giving the iqama, telling people, come on, move toward Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Ashhadu Allah, 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 Muhammad, Rasulullah, and whatever. And the Prophet ﷺ has already started now fixing the roads. Sayyidina Umar already now into row two. Bilal will now finish, and then he will look at his row. The Prophet ﷺ will start walking between the other rows and then using his staff, push people back and make everyone straight. So this is an active process. There's no sitting down and waiting for a period. That's actually bid'ah. There's no evidence for it. If a person believes that's religiously mandated. Yeah? But if a person just chilling, doesn't want to get up until he sees the rows already, if he did that, that wouldn't be a sin, but it would be against the end of the system. You're, you're messing up the, the people, whatever. And you know that Prophet ﷺ said that the best rows are the ones at the front. So a person who's sitting there saying, I'm just going to slot in at the back, it's not fulfilling the sunnah. You're standing in the worst of rows. Intentionally so, which is aib. It's not good. Not good behavior. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah? Yes? Intentionally believing that one needs to do that? Yeah, and you believing this is a sunnah. There's no evidence from the sunnah to sit down, remain sitting down, and I'm not going to sit up, I'm not going to stand up until he says, قَدْ قَامَتِ salah. Okay? Uh, however, I just want to say that that is, yeah, and we, do, we respect that there are some scholars that might, you know, try to justify that from the linguistic meaning. You wouldn't yeah, cause a fight or anything, but it's, it's, there's no basis for it. There's no evidence or hadith for it. Yes. <coughs> No, no evidence for that. There's no evidence for a connection that you must yeah, do this or you must do that. There's a natural connection in uh, this hadith that if a person was to do the 19 and he was applying that hadith, then he would continue with the full uh, 17. Yeah, no, uh, the the uh, 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 17, 17, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 17. Yeah, it's a good point. That good question. Yep. Did I say that the Prophet did not never give the adhan? Did I say that the never gave the adhan? I don't think I did, but I don't think he did. No. So in that case, in terms of publicly give the adhan, I don't think he did. I could be corrected. I've never heard a narration that he did. So, um, if, it's, if that's the case, then why do we not take this as a ruling for the Muslim not being the Imam? Why do we not look at the Prophet and say he never gave the Adhan, which is an indication, therefore, that the one who does give the uh, Adhan should never be the Imam? Why is it not? Um, because, because, um, to make it forbidden, we'd require an evidence. Okay? So a lack of, a lack of... Possibly, possibly. It's just that logically there is no reason to prohibit the mu'adhin <coughs> from leading the prayer. Logically, there's many reasons why we can't make the Prophet ﷺ make the adhan. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I mean, you know, he's already... It, 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 I mean, there's so many different things here. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think logically. Yeah. What other things could the... What other acts of ibadah could the Prophet ﷺ have done 
but didn't do. Let me ask that question. What other acts of ibadah could he have done regularly but he didn't do? Got, uh, 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 the most obvious one which comes to mind is the, is the night watchman on the boundaries of the, of, the, of the camp. I don't think we have a hadith that shows that he did that in its entirety, in its, in its specific role. You know the Rabat? What do you call Rabat, man? Night watchman? Watchman. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? You know the guy who... Uh, uh, you know when you set up camp? Yeah. Uh, the lookout. The lookout with the gun. Lookout. Waiting for them to come. If they come, start shooting, make, raise the alarm. This is Qurbat, yani, you know? That Prophet ﷺ praised this so much. One night spent like this, one moment spent like this, and, 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 and it's the highest form of jihad. So much reward for it. But the Prophet ﷺ, I don't, I don't think, Allah Ta'ala, did he ever do that? I don't think he ever did. You might say, why not? Is it, is it not allowed? Well, of course not allowed, but I mean, if he's, he's the most important, yani. yeah, it, it, The example here is not, it's not... Not the same? No, because we're saying, we were uh, 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 putting the, the, the Adhan and the Iqamah, yep. or the, the Iqamah and the leading of the prayer together. Why? This being... being uh, I, then I could argue I'm putting fighting and being a watchman together. That's, that, that's a natural fit as well. If I am the leader, I'm fighting in a war, right? Why didn't he then become watchman as well? Logically, just pure, pure at the logical level, I don't think the fact that he never was watchman doesn't mean that he could not be watchman. But it just would be strange use of our commander of our forces to be the watchman. Likewise, the, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, leading the Salah and leading the nation and leading XYZ and wanting to give the Adhan as well? Sahab, difficult. It's a good point. It's an interesting point you make. But um, I can put your mind at rest. And, and this is an important principle as well. We'll make it the last, the last point. That when there is something that puzzles us, like, you know, logically puzzles us and you're kind of thinking, but, but what about this? What about that? When we try and give it our best shot, then we go back and look to our scholars, and when we see all of them pretty much yani, saying the same thing, we know, you know what, I got that kind of wrong. It, it, you know, because they do bring these points up. They're not scared at all, or worried, or shy. They will bring these points up. And, and as I said, I don't know of any scholar or madhab, and it's, I haven't looked into it, so it'd be interesting for me to also look at, into it, and I will, now that you've asked me, you've got my thoughts going that ever prohibited the Mu'adhin leading the prayer. And Allah knows best. Okay? Right. Anything online uh, uh, remaining? Any other questions immediate here? You behave yourself. Right. Yes. Uthman, whilst you find those pictures. Yep. When to start the Iqama? Does the Imam have to give you a note? No, no. No, no. It's just a system which is understood. No particular start point. And by the way, that's also a good question. Uthman said, is there a particular point where you start the Iqama? And I said, no. However, it needs to be understood. It's not just his presence. Because, because uh, once, as the, as the famous, I think, which you're referring to, the Prophet ﷺ was in the masjid speaking to someone. And the guy was going on and on and on and on. And the Prophet ﷺ carried on and the people were just hanging around. So it's only when the person makes it clear that I want to lead the prayer. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You know? So, you know, our practice here, and I think quite, I think, I don't know, what's the, is this the main practice in Masajid or not? I think so. 
if you've got the system and the man's ready, then yeah. I you know what? It's been a while since I've seen someone give the iqama with no imam there. That's like next level. You seen that? The iqama? Oh no, that's something different. Because there's no imam, right? There is one that might be there, might be. Yeah, so that's that's different, that's different. If you're doing it in a musalla, where there's sometimes imam, not sometimes imam, the iqamah is an indication, hey, someone lead the prayer. But something different, that's completely different. The iqamah is like, okay, now someone here has got to take this seriously, imam's not coming, one of us has got to lead, and then that's when the iqamah, the the one who's giving the iqamah, he's busy with that, and the rest of us are all fighting them. You lead, no, you lead, no, you lead, you lead. By the time he's finished, someone's going to be there. So that's something different. Online? Yeah, no None? Okay, yes. Fad kifaya, communal obligation. Meaning someone has to give it from, for, from that group, group. Yeah, and if there's a group of people, someone needs to give the adhan or the iqama for them. You mentioned the point about, um, maybe I misunderstood it incorrectly, where if you're at home, because it's already been done, you wouldn't necessarily need to. That's right. What that means is that if you are in a locality of the masjid where it definitely was given, and you know that, and you are pretty close, then it is possible to say that the one forgiven for the locality is covering you as well. That is possible. However, I also said when I explained that, is it should not be relied upon. It should not be relied upon. So for example, let me give you a classic example. If you, buy, if you are by yourself at home, it's not a major issue. Because it doesn't matter whether you heard the adhan or not, whatever, with respect to you, to give the adhan as a single person is sunnah and not obligatory. However, let's say there was five people around your house. So you are now a jama'ah. And as I said, for every jama'ah prayer, or for every jama'ah, it is a communal obligation for adhan to be given for the group. Okay? And that's because the Prophet ﷺ said that from you, let one of you make the uh, adhan from you. He never said that, the scholar said he never said that to the individual. He said that to the group of people who are traveling. Let one of you make, so the idea is the group, a group's got to offer it, yeah? So what if one of the group members says, it's okay, the time is, they would have given the adhan at the local masjid, just around the corner, they would have given it, so that's sufficient for us as well. This is where you wouldn't take the risk. You'd say, well, we're a group of people, and you know, unless you know for certain, and you are close to the masjid, then that adhan of the hay'a, the area, covers the uh, your small group's adhan. What's the distance? That's a problem. It's not based upon distance. It's based upon how, how representative you see that masjid of the locality. And uh, that's very difficult to say distance. It's just seen as your local masjid. 10-15 minutes kind of thing in a car, something like that, tops. Huh? Yeah, local area, but I mean, the problem here is that no one's able to decide what local area is. So that's the issue. Yeah, go on. Then, yeah. Is there a hadith saying that the best rule for women is the last rule? Yes, but we'll talk about that in its right time. That's not for that. That's not for now. Yeah. To somebody who's giving a qama, do you have to face the qibla? It is not obligatory, but back to the same principles that we mentioned last time. Everything generally towards that direction. Is understood to be okay, but no, it's not a, not a condition. Yeah. Um, to repeat after the We're going to come to that. Yeah. Bob's. So you know that I've been seeing that both of us. Yeah. 
Like both are always mentioned together as Ali and Fatima. Yep. Often, so when we are in Jama'ah, we might go into a masjid or we might go somewhere else and we just say the Iqamah. Yes. What's going on there? Yeah. Bob's a really good question, that. I mean, he's basically saying that whenever you talk, you hear the Adhan Iqamah, there's no separation in terms of the evidences and the strength and the requirement. It's very clear in the hadith. However, at the individual level, you will often hear people giving the Iqamah, but not the Adhan. You will often hear people giving the Iqamah, not the Adhan. And my, my response to that is that if there is no chance of the Adhan being given in that area or, you know, by someone else, then there's no excuse for that. Then that's poor display from the, from the Muslims that are, are there. But if, and as I believe, the majority of the Muslims who do this, this is what they believe, that the Adhan for the locality has been given, this has been established, and so now it's just a case of now establishing the prayer in my small jama'ah, it actually makes a lot of sense why then the people only give their karma. <laughs> Let that be no excuse though. Let me make it very clear in this lesson. It is a sunnah to give the adhan even if you're by yourself. So you shouldn't rely upon masajid. If you're a small group at home, someone should give the adhan. It's a sunnah. It's a dhikr. It's good to have these words spread in the house. It's good to get people used to the words. And then you should give the iqamah as well, regardless of what's happening. But now we're talking about if people didn't. That's ultimately why you study fiqh. What happens if you don't? What happens if you didn't? Yes? So if you didn't give the adhan, it's no major because in general it is understood that it's done in an area where it's already been given. Yes? At that point, when you said uh, you should have done uh, if it's done past its start time. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it's a very good question. Brother said, yani, what about if it's past, it, what if it's past the, the Salah time itself? It goes back to the question which the scholars differed over. Is the Adhan for the beginning of the prayer time or is the Adhan for the beginning of the prayer? And the scholars genuinely differed over that. And it's difficult to actually say super clearly this is what it's for. Okay? If you're praying Jama'ah at home, yep. You're praying it before the Jama'ah time in the local masjid. The Jama'ah time, then it is another strong indication that you should give the Adhan. Like even more reason. So even if you weren't and you were praying much later after, the, well, like I just said, you should give the Adhan. It's Sunnah. Just like we have the intention in our mind, gotta pray to Sunnah after Maghrib, we gotta pray to Sunnah after this, that we, you know, the way that we hold on to Sunnah, this is also a Sunnah. To give the Adhan is a Sunnah. So we should be also strict in following the sunnah. In every single way that we follow any other sunnah, this is nothing different. Yes? Just a quick question on the topic. Um, why is it that the source of the source of the sunnah did that Bilal did this hadith, did the Iqamah, and did the Adhan differently at different times? How is it possible that the... Uh, why, why, what's the reason behind it? You're saying that why is it uh, why is it that the adhan has been narrated in different forms? Yeah. As a mercy, it's an iqa, it's a it's a dhikr. There's flexibility. Yeah. Yani, there's no there's there's I don't think there's a, an issue there that we need to find. Mm-hmm. We know, for example, that the statement that we all know, La ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, lahul mulku wa lahul hamd, wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir, has maybe ten different variations. We're all happy to use them in all their right different places. So the adhan is similar. And the iqam is similar. Okay guys, jazakumullah khair. Thank you very much. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha 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 